Good morning. Good morning. Just to uh, just to say a word, um, we are welcoming Carrie Hilbert today from World Mission Fairly. She's here on the big screen. Um, when she's speaking, I'll put speaker view so you can see her clearly. It's a different format today than usual, but the best place to begin is always prayer. So the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for the gift of this morning, for the gift of community, the chance to gather together. We thank you for the energy that you have filled the space with. Please capture our hearts and minds, open them to new stories of the way that you are moving in the world and help us to be your hands and feet in creation. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So to say the briefest um, introduction before I turn things over to Hans and Carrie. This is Hans Whitmire, by the way. He is a parishioner here who sort of got this idea kicked off. He came to me and said, we should welcome a refugee family. And I got, I said, I don't know if we can do that. Um, and the more that we've talked, um, the more I've realized that, yes, we can. Um, but it is about all of us uh, seeing that we might have a part to play in this. And so... Um, I thought I would turn things over to him and to Carrie um, to talk about this work um, and what they have learned. But I wanted to say first uh, a word theologically. Um, Jesus says a lot about welcoming a stranger, but that command is part of our faith from the very beginning. It's part of our Christian DNA from basically the very beginning of scripture. Those are the stories that people have chosen to tell each other. Um, the stories of wandering and displacement, the need for hospitality and the imperative for hospitality. And in Leviticus, um, which people often think of as a very strict book of the Bible, it's also the most hospitable book of the Bible. It's the book that commands us to set slaves free and to welcome people who are strangers, to set up cities of refuge, to care for the earth. That's all in Leviticus. And it repeats again and again that you are strangers in the land of Egypt. And so part of all of those commandments is the knowledge that through no control of your own, this is your heritage. This is what happened to your ancestors, your beloved ancestors. And so as much as we recognize God's blessings in our lives, we have to recognize that the fact that any of us are here, born in the U.S., sitting in New York City today, is often as much an accident as it is a blessing. And God has put people all over the earth and connected us to one another. So that's a little theological setup. Take it away. <laughs> can, you, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. So my name is Hans Quickmeyer. It's great to see you all this morning. Welcome. Um, I'd like to introduce uh, Carrie Hilper to you. Uh, I know uh, Carrie from uh, World Mission, from being involved in World Mission Prayer League. World Mission Prayer League, or WIMPLE as we call it, uh, <laughs> is a uh, uh, Christian organization based in Minneapolis. Uh, of uh, it's a prairie, it's a praying community of about six thousand members, wow. six thousand praying members, and WIMPLE fields about forty missionaries, healthcare workers. Uh, educators uh, in places all around the world. Uh, and they fielded some in Afghanistan as well until, uh, until the evacuation last August. Um, Carrie's been very active in Wimple. Uh, she, since 1985, she served in Kenya uh, for Wimple. 
uh, and she's been uh, a big supporter of Wimple and involved in many of Wimple's activities ever since. And she currently is a kind of a coordinator to uh, recruit and to screen uh, global workers. Um, Carrie lives in uh, Nashville with her husband, Tom, uh, who is a pastor and a writer. Um, and I didn't realize this until yesterday, Carrie, uh, when I looked you up that you are a singer songwriter uh, with uh, songs on uh, Amazon Music, Apple Music, Spotify, um, and a very distinguished career. Uh, congratulations uh, for that additional dimension to you, Carrie. Thank you. Um, not going to sing for us this morning. Uh, unfortunately, uh, but um, she's going to talk to us about one of the activities that has taken up a lot of her time recently, and that is supporting uh, the Afghan diaspora now in Tennessee. Uh, and uh, she's been very active there, not only just generally, but also in particular with one special family. So uh, Carrie, I'll turn it over to you. And maybe we can start, Carrie, by you telling us what they, what your family calls you. Thank you. Yes. Um, so my, I am um, a mentor with Catholic Charities. I signed up under them, did their background check, and um, they assigned me to a family of eight. And um, they, I, in the apartment complex where my family lives, um, there are thirty Afghan families. And so you quickly see it's a whole community and you can't just know one family, you're gonna start knowing everyone. So I am I am America, the American mom to, to many, especially young women who's got separated from their parents and their families in the Kabul airport. And so, um, so I am the American mom to many of them, they call me mom. And um, so yes, thank you so much for the introduction. And um, Pastor Ava and I had a conversation and kind of, um, I took notes on some things to share and that was my plan, but I'm sure she knows how this goes with sermons and preparation. Um, the Holy Spirit intervenes sometimes. And right before we met, I read through um, Matthew 25, 35, which she mentioned this morning. And I want to read this because it kind of changed the whole picture of what I wanted to share. Matthew 25, 35 to 36. I read this 15 minutes ago. I know the verse, but I hadn't read it for a while. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Even reading them again, 15 minutes ago and right now, I'm all choked up because this is a beautiful picture of what has been happening with the Afghan families here in Nashville. I signed up as a mentor. I was assigned one family, but in the apartment complex where they live, there are 30 Afghan families and they're related and they're friends and um, you can't just know one family. So I'm the American mom to several families, but every one of these, um, every one of these applies to what is happening. And that verse, if you've ever wondered, how can I live this out? This is a perfect example. Um, they are so warm and happy and thankful, grateful for any help they get. This is not, none of them asked for this. I had someone say, I bet they're, that's just so great that they made it to the U.S. And, and they've told me they loved their country. And 
and they didn't want to leave. Um, the son in our family was 23, is 23. He was two months away from taking his exam to be a dentist. And they had to flee the country on August 16th. You've all seen the footage of that. And he lost all records. He's working in a warehouse now, third shift. Um, and we don't know if he can get into dental school or if he'll have to start all over. Uh, many of them left, almost every family I know left someone. They got separated in the airport, many of them. Um, so one young woman who calls me her American mom, her name's Fahima. She had never lived on her own. She's 23. She'd gone to law school and been a journalist, but they live with their families till they get married. But she got separated from her parents and her older brother in the Kabul airport. And she ended up here in Nashville with her 26-year-old brother who doesn't speak English. She'd never cooked, run a home. I'm trying to help her. Other people are trying to help her. She's so sweet and so grateful and fun. She speaks enough English that we, we have a lot of fun together. But just reading through this, I was hungry. They, they have needed food stamps or help with food, help with understanding how to buy food, where to go. Sometimes they need a ride. Um, thirsty, same thing. I was a stranger and you invited me in. We helped, hosted our family in our home. And uh, one day that six of the eight, and they were so happy to, to be invited somewhere to get out of the apartment they're stuck in for weeks or months at a time because they don't have cars. They can't get their driver's license sometimes for quite a while. In Tennessee, anyway, the DMV test is only in English. Um, some of them have taken the 14-hour trip to Houston where they can <laughs> test in their own language. Um, so... I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. Our, our, um, our little house church found out in January, early January, that COVID was just kind of raging through the, the apartment complex where my family is. And they didn't have Tylenol, ibuprofen. They didn't have thermometers. Um, so we got together and put together 30 first aid kits and went and gathered with them and explained, um, someone translated a whole list of the medications and how to use them into Dari, their Persian language. Um, even the verse, I was in prison and you came to visit me. That is a, that is kind of an accurate picture of where they are at first. I, I don't know if any of us can imagine being plucked up and transferred to some other world where we don't know the culture or the language. We've lost everything, our home, sometimes our part of our family is still stuck back there. No car, no way to get a car or a job, or they're just stuck in their apartments and they have such a high value on hospitality. Uh, they love inviting you in. They want to offer you tea and usually a plate of fruit and nuts and Afghanistan candy, which I didn't try for weeks because I was sure I wouldn't like it. And then once I tried it, I'm addicted. So I tell them not to put, give that to me anymore. Um, just what I want to say is all of us, I went in thinking I would be a mentor, but I quickly saw I needed a lot of support around me too. I couldn't do it alone. And I think that's the beauty of you considering doing something as a church. I'm sure that some of you would feel uncomfortable maybe going in to sit down and have tea. Um, but others, maybe that's your gift is just to visit and to visit them in that awful situation. Some of them are in others though. Your gift is making things happen. I can collect food. I can see what they need. 
sick. A lot of them have been sick with things that did not get addressed. They left the country in August. Our 19-year-old son, Rustam, had a broken foot he got in the Kabul airport. He still has not gotten surgery on it yet. So we've been driving him to doctor's visits um, and helping get that set up. So I just wanted to say that that is, I, I want to show you a picture too, just so that you have a visual. Um, one day, the other thing about them is you need to be a little bit flexible, whoever um, might be the people visiting. And so one day I went and I would, thought I was done. I'd been there three hours and I went to visit a family of three young girls, sisters who got separated from their parents in the airport. Um, and they said they needed groceries. They didn't have any food. They had, they had um, food stamps or uh, a way to buy food, but no car and no way to get there. So I took them and then they told me that it was the 11 year old's first day of school and they wanted to celebrate. And she was very sad missing her parents. Imagine being 11, getting ripped away from your parents. And so they wanted me to come back to their house then and celebrate the party. Um, and then that turned into, they had some music videos on and they wanted to teach me Afghanistan dancing. And it, it was a crazy evening. I, I thought this, I never could have foreseen this, but it was so sweet and so much fun. And I want to show you a picture of Shekwa. I think that this will work. We'll see. Let me know if you can see my screen when I do this. So here, can you see that picture? Yes, we can. Yes. So Shekwa is the 11-year-old in the middle, and her sister Suna is 19. Suna speaks some English. Shekwa does not very much. And an older sister who's 23, Marsal, does not speak any English. So Suna at 19 is in charge of this family, having to figure everything out. Shekwa at 11 is starting school, doesn't know if she'll ever see her parents again. That's the situation some of them are in. So I want to be honest and say it's also emotional, wrenching sometimes to hear the stories and Shekwa just all evening, just this was the first night I met her. She kept hugging me and holding my hand. Just, I think, for her to have a mom figure was so important to her. Um, and this was not a family I had even um, had much time with, but I'm trying to follow up now with them. So, so I just think it, it's a beautiful picture of how we can act out this verse of welcoming the stranger in so many practical ways. And I don't think any of us can imagine being in that situation. But if you put yourself in that position at all, you would be so grateful for anyone willing to help you with the culture, with the language, whatever it is you have a gift in. And I, I assume that within the body of you, there are people who have all different gifts that you might be able to share. It is a commitment. At Catholic Charities, they ask for three months. And I think that Pastor Ava said that's similar, the 90 days. But I quickly saw that's, it's going to go on longer than that. I'm not just going to, it's actually been three months for me and I'm not going to drop them. These are going to be some long-term relationships if they stay here. And the beauty of that though, is um, if you've worked with Muslim cultures at all, or you know much about them, our missionaries who work in Muslim cultures know that it might be 10 or 20 years before someone comes to know Jesus. It's just a long it's hard, rocky ground to get them to be open. But World Mission Prayer League has been working in Afghanistan for 20 years. It's been hard to get people there. It's been dangerous, as you know. Visas are difficult to obtain. 
And all of a sudden, thousands of them are here. And they are people who worked in our embassies and with our troops. They are not people to be afraid of. They, the ones who are here, most of them have been vetted. The ones who were not vetted are right now in F Albania and places like that where they're going to spend a year or two till they get vetted better um, before they're allowed in the States. We have workers in Albania helping teach them English right now. So I just, it's a beautiful opportunity also to make these relationships with non-Christians and to show them our love, um, to show them Jesus' love. They don't, I don't think many of them know yet. I think they're slowly learning that almost all of us who are helping are Christians. And I think that is going to have an impact long-term on them. And I, I just think it's a move of God. It's a horrible situation what has happened, but I think God is going to use it to bring a lot of them to faith. And they share that with their family back home and they already are sharing what all people are doing for them. So I, that's mainly what I want to share, but I wanted time for questions and, um, and thoughts from you. If you're thinking about doing this at all. Um, I have a mic. I'll come to you. If you have a question and just to clarify. Yeah. Um, the structure, uh, that Carrie is using with these families is a little different than what we're talking about. We won't have an apartment complex full of families to get to know. Um, just to, just to make that clear. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Good morning. My name is Alexandra. Thank you very much. I, just to follow up on what you said that um, uh, it takes years for some of these people you're working with to come to know Jesus. Did they come from a different faith tradition, such as Islam or other things, or or were they were they mainly non-religious and then were open to the idea of exploring Christianity? What was what was the overall um, yeah. prologue to this? Well, to be honest, we are assuming and we are seeing uh, evidence of that, that most of them are Muslim. They are from the Islamic faith. That's the, I think, 99% of Afghanistan or more is Islamic. But as Christianity is, there can be a wide range of people of, of nominalism or it's just their cultural, historical, traditional background, or they are very faithful. And But honestly, even the very faithful Muslims... Um, and they they have a value on um, there's a saying they, they should engage people of the book that they, unlike a lot of American Christians, they want to have conversations. They are open to hearing and to telling you about their faith. And that is a difference, I think, than we have in this country. But, yes, I would assume and we assume most of them are Muslim. I guess I find a little bit of this a little troubling like in the sense that. I think it's wonderful, all the things you've done for these families. But is the purpose of this to convert them to Christianity? Because I think we should accept them as they are. Right. In their own <laughs> yep. And I, I appreciate that. Um, I And just so you know, with Catholic Charities, we don't, we have to commit to not even bringing up faith issues. Um, so that is not, like, ultimately, I would like that to happen for them. And I see that the more you get to know the Islamic faith and the laws that they are under, you start, you if you hadn't before, hope that they can have and find eventually freedom in Jesus they, that they do not have. Right now, today is the first day of Ramadan. I was there yesterday with for six hours with several families, and they were all talking to me about the struggle they are having 
It's their first day. Some of these young women are working now in a factory nine hours a day at Under Armour here in Nashville. Or Ramadan, for the month of Ramadan, according to their faith, they cannot eat or drink. I didn't know they can't drink water even until 7.30 at night, until the sun goes down. And this is a month. They're going to have to work in this warehouse all day long and um, not eat anything until 7.30 at night. My 23-year-old daughter passed out a couple weeks ago, even though she was eating and drinking, from standing all day and not eating and drinking enough. And I'm worried about her. And it struck me that, wow, this is a, these are some of the laws they are under that you start to learn. So no, it's not our whole goal to convert them. We want to welcome strangers. And that is the ultimate, we are following Jesus uh, to us. But I think as you get to know them, you hope, but if they don't, I, I, I asked my family about their Muslim faith. They got a prayer carpet yesterday that was beautiful. And we talked about that. And they told me about the days, times a day they pray. So I honor that. But I do also see that I hope that some of them can find the freedom in Jesus that they do not have in the, under the structure they're under. But that's not our, that's not my whole reason for doing it. I feel for them. I feel for humanity. I want to help in ways that I have gifts to help. So thank you for that question, though, and I do appreciate that. I would. I'm from Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is this, uh, whatever it is, process, stage they're in with you, is that viewed as a transition process to something else, to, to spreading out into other parts of the country? And, um, I think it will depend on other, other parts of our society. Yeah. Um, somehow I lost your picture. Hang on. I'm trying to get that back. I don't know why. I can't see you all. Um, I don't know. Okay. I can't see any of you all of a sudden. Um, so tell me again, you're, it, it was, what, what's the process they're in right now? Yeah. They, um, Are they moving on somewhere else? Yeah. I think a lot of them will probably end up staying here. They got, they came to, most of them came to military bases. Our families you say here, you mean Nashville? in Nashville, wherever they, wherever they got put because they, they came to military bases all over and then they were given the choice of which, where do you want to go? Um, do you, you know, they were offered different places that they were working with different organizations to settle them. And like our family, um, they had wanted to go to California, but, and they, I think they have family there, but they heard it was just so expensive. And so many had gone there that there were less resources. So they chose Nashville because they like music. Um, they had heard. So, um, so some of them may resettle and move on, and yet they're they're getting to know the community. They have friends here now, both um, Nashville friends, but also fr Afghan friends who've moved here with them. They are finding jobs. They are getting settled, you know, slowly getting off of food stamps and government aid to by getting these jobs. So I, I don't really know. There's no plan that they'll move on from here. Some of them may if they have friends or relatives somewhere else, but most of them got to choose from a number of places. Where do you want to be permanent resettled, permanently resettled? That's what I understand. And I, I want to say, I am not an expert. I've been doing this for three months. Um, so I don't know everything, but that's, that's what I understand. 
One more question. Um, what what kind of work did you do in preparation before when you first learned that like volunteered to do this? What was your preparation like? Well, um, Catholic Charities has some training. I I honestly, because we've had workers in Afghanistan, I've had a little bit of understanding of of that culture and of um, of Muslim culture. My husband is a pastor and has loved um, has had friends who are Muslim and has loved engaging in that with them in conversations. So I had a little bit of understanding, but Catholic Charities has been good about training us. You know, here are some cultural things to know. Um, here are ways to approach them or things not to do. So they've, they've tried to be good. And I think there are resettlement agencies everywhere who are trying to help make it a smooth transition for anyone who feels totally unprepared to, to do something else. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you very, very much for your um, inspiring talk today and for everything you're doing uh, to help our neighbors. If you're interested in participating in a committee to explore uh, helping some Afghans resettle uh, in our community, uh, let me know, let Ava know, let Windsor Jones know, please, and we'll put together a group to explore this. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done. There are lots of options for us uh, to, uh, to choose among. Uh, there are various kinds of, uh, of Afghans. Uh, there's a congregation in Minneapolis that I'm aware of uh, who, you know, we, we automatically think of a family, but we shouldn't be necessarily restricted to thinking about a family. There's a congregation in Minneapolis that asked for four young women. Uh, they, they are in a, a university town and they want to support four young women going to university in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, excuse me. Um, so there are lots of options. There's a lot of work to be done, but I think it would be um, very fulfilling in many, many ways. So perhaps we can close with a prayer, Ava? Yes. Um, and yeah, just to, just to elaborate, um, when, when Hans says there's lots of options, um, there's lots of resources out there to help us do this work. There's different yeah. ways that we can structure it. Um, different roles for volunteers, but it will be the whole community that's needed. It can't, um, even if there's five people in the church who really want to get this done, it's going to take more than five people. And it will be about everybody um, realizing that they have a gift to share, whether it's hospitality, whether it's helping someone learn to use the subway, whether it's helping someone get food stamps, whether it's helping someone get enrolled in school, um, whether it's helping get a clothing drive together here to make sure that they have clothes for new seasons. There's a lot of different ways. So if you think like, I couldn't possibly go sit in a stranger's house and have tea, like Carrie said, um, that might be true, I don't know. Um, but there is something that you can do. You have been given spiritual gifts that you can offer. And I think as Carrie was saying, they will know we are Christians by our love, first and foremost, which is a call to all of us. And so let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for raising up among us leaders, in uh, spiritual work with spiritual gifts, helping us to learn to use our hospitality. Thank you for the gift of your son, teaching us to live, to welcome and love one another. Please help us to search our hearts and faithfully consider the ways that we are called to follow your work in the world and the ways that we are called especially to this work of hospitality, working with those who have been displaced from their homes. So we ask that you would bless this discernment and that you would be with us in this process. And we ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.